Hello and welcome to Chats in the Living Room. I am the opening show's first host, Dominic Smith, and uh, we will now go around and introduce the other members sitting in the living room. Hello, I am Tim Sievers, one of the residents of this house that has a living room. Uh, lead creative design, Andrew Priskew. Danielle Senecola, yet another member of the living area. Marissa Papa, uh, I'm the one doing everything else. <laughs> Alright, wonderful. So, um, we've all cozied up in the living room today, and uh, today we're going to be beginning with... Um, you need to fix your couch, the spring's on this thing. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> it's a little rocky. Yeah, it's, it's a little, little rocky. It's a bit rocky. We got the fire going, though, so mm, it, yeah, that's nice. it makes it's it up. Cozy. It makes it up. Dan's we have cooking. fantastic atmosphere in this living room. Um, so today I'm gonna ask uh, all y'all a question. How many of us in the living room have seen the movie, or at least heard of the movie, Apocalypse Now? Uh, I can't say it. I have. I cannot say I have. I don't know much about it. No, we're... I assume there's an apocalypse. It's happening this very second. Right now. So. Is it like the Y2K apocalypse? It is not. Okay. In <laughs> fact, it is a... Horror. The The movie itself <laughs> is a story about, um... The general plot of the movie is about um, American troops in Vietnam going to assassinate a renegade special forces colonel who has gone mad. Um, well, and that's all, you know, interesting and, uh, you know, well-crafted. Um, however, what is far more interesting is the story of the actual production of the movie. So, the movie itself was written and directed by Francis Ford Coppola, who you guys would probably know from making The Godfather. Um, I oh, fantastic! Movie. Yeah, what a he, flick! He, he, he's hailed as one of the the greatest directors of all time, and a lot of his movies are like fantastic. Um, however, so much was going wrong at the time of filming uh, Apocalypse Now that Coppola would reach such depths that he thought the movie would kill both his career and himself. Um, oh so, you could say he was going through an apocalypse of his own. Indeed, like the, indeed. Like the movie kill him or would he kill himself? He thought that the movie would fail so badly that he would commit suicide. Wow. Oh, wow. Um, so, we wind the clocks back to spring of 1976, and Coppola has his beginning plan for shooting Apocalypse Now. And he plans to spend 14 weeks shooting in the Philippines, and then he's going to finish. However, because of logistical issues, weather, crazed actors, scripting issues, and general insanity, the film would not be finished shooting until May of 1977. So that's a little bit longer than 14 weeks. And the movie wouldn't even be finished and released until 1979. So the whole thing took him three years. Um, so a little longer than he thought. That's just a little bit more than 14 weeks. A little <laughs> bit longer. Um, dip. So let's just jump right in to the beginning of production. Um, as soon as he started, things were already going terribly. Uh, Coppola fired the person that he had as his lead actor, Harvey Keitel, two weeks into shooting, and replaced him with Martin Sheen. Um, so Sheen at the time was in a terrible emotional state, depressed, and alcoholic. Um, so, and when he arrived in the Philippines, everything wasn't said. Coppola was going mad, firing random personnel. Uh, people were getting tropical diseases. Um, and worse still, Coppola was still writing the movie as he was shooting it. 
<laughs> so oh normally uh, you would finish the script first and then start shooting things, but he was writing it as the scenes were progressing. Um, however, a very unique and intense problem plaguing the set was the helicopters. So a little bit of backstory about the Philippines at the time. They were ruled by President Ferdinand Marcos, who was an extravagant dictator and was famous for his brutality and corruption. Um, so there, there are plenty of things uh, President Marcos is known for, uh, but to name a few, he had complete control of the media, he rewrote the constitution there, uh, and he used violence and oppression against political minorities in the country and is believed to have stolen upwards of $10 billion from the country during his term as president. Casual dictator things. Very casual, casual dictator, dictator things. things. Um, so dictator now, things. Uh, this is where it comes inter- into interference with Apocalypse Now, because in the film, uh, Coppola used helicopters, real helicopters, in the shooting of several action sort of battle scenes. However, the shooting was being delayed because President Marcos kept recalling the helicopters so he could use them to fight his own war against anti-government rebels. Uh, Meaning the helicopters used in Apocalypse Now were probably used to kill actual people. Which is a little disconcerting. Well, I mean, sometimes um, you just gotta use what you get your hands on. Hey, I mean, Very you need true. a real horse head. Yeah. You, you need a real a horse real head. head. Exactly. Didn't they, didn't they use real uh, corpses in The Exorcist? Oh my god, like, did they? That is accident? not The Exorcist. That is Poltergeist. Oh my god, uh, no. That was a film, another film fact. They used real skeletons in I that movie for authenticity. Real Whoopsies. Dead people. <laughs> <laughs> so, continuing on with Apocalypse Now, uh, let's talk about the crew. Um, so during the, during the set and throughout the entire shooting process, uh, the crew were throwing extravagant and wild parties. Um, so let's talk about a man named Doug Claiborne. Uh, he was a Vietnam veteran, um, and he was serving as a production assistant, consulting on the film. And um, the following is a quote from him about the rampant partying. At the hotel where the crew were based, it was party heaven. We'd have hundreds of beers lined up around the swimming pool. There were people diving off of roofs. It was crazy. Um, So at this point, things were looking pretty terrible for Apocalypse Now and Francis Ford Coppola. Um, And then things literally went disastrous when a typhoon hit the set and destroyed everything. Um, So... All right, Neptune. Thanks for that one. (laughs) He was really just... It was really just a glutton for punishment at that point. Um, So Coppola returns to San Francisco uh, for a month before going back to the jungle. And when he left, many of his crew left and then just decided to stay. Um, So, like, half the crew mutinied, and they just didn't go back to the Philippines. And one of the people who really didn't want to go back was was the new star of Apocalypse Now, Martin Sheen. Um... And he just didn't want to go back until Coppola eventually enticed him to. And he is quoted as having told his friends, I don't know if I'm going to live for, through this. Because uh, he thought the movie would actually end up killing him. And this was Coppola? Uh, no, this was Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. Martin Coppola. Sheen. Wait, Although Coppola also die? thought it was going to kill him. Everybody <laughs> thought like, they were going to be man. killed by this, this movie. This apocalypse now movie literally meant the apocalypse <laughs> for some of these people. Yeah, like 
Coppola later said when the movie released, he he said the movie isn't about Vietnam. It was Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, so that was uh, just a little fun fact. So um, at this point, they were beginning filming on Marlon Brando's character, Colonel Kurtz, the insane colonel that Martin Sheen's character is sent to kill. Um, now, before Brando arrived, uh, they were preparing to shoot on the set of Colonel Kurtz's bunker. When Janet Sheen, Martin Sheen's wife, took uh, co-producer Gary Fredrickson to the set, and the entire thing was covered in garbage, and it smelled so bad that Janet Sheen forbade them from allowing Martin Sheen to shoot on that set uh, because she thought it would seriously affect his health. Oh my god, that narc. (laughs) Just let us live in garbage. Um, So... uh, the producer, Fredrickson, went and found the production designer, Dean Tavalarius, uh, and asked him to clear it out. Um, and the production designer wanted to leave it because he said it was more authentic, and they got into a little back and forth. It wasn't a, a fight or anything, um, until a nearby prop guy said something about dead bodies, bringing it back to the poltergeist. Um now, of course, Fredrickson freaked out over the idea that there may or may not be dead bodies on set. Um, and there were rumors flying around that they were using real dead bodies, and but Fredrickson thought they were just rumors. Um, until he was brought to the prop storage, um, which was situated behind where the crew were having their meals and eating, and found oh. several real human cadavers. Oh, God. I'm guessing these were rebels? Filipino. Um, <laughs> So, some context. Um, In the movie, there are scenes in which bodies hang from the trees. And so the plan conducted by the prop team uh, was that they would use these real human bodies to be authentic. (laughs) Now, they didn't actually end up using the dead bodies. Instead, they hung extras (laughs) from the trees. Uh, So, Fredrickson put a stop to it, and he wanted to know where they got the bodies. The answer, some guy... <laughs> the guy just like, hey, got a thousand dead bodies. Literally like, just that. They, yeah, they got they, Danny Bogart, the dead body guy. The old, the old meat shop. They, they were in contact with just a literal guy that said he supplied bodies to medical schools for autopsies. <laughs> Turns out he was just a grave robber. Um, so the police came. Whoops again. And. <laughs> And they seized people's passports and held everybody on set. Oh and um, Fredrickson is quoted on the matter saying, They didn't know we hadn't killed these people because the bodies were unidentified. I was pretty damn worried for a few days, but they got the truth and put the guy in jail. So, you know, pretty good, right? However, as to the fate of the bodies, one day a huge truck accompanied by soldiers... Uh, came and just started loading the bodies and um nobody knew what to do with them and frederick suggested just bring them to a cemetery and bury them um but nobody wanted to pay for it because it's expensive to bury bodies um so the told soldiers just told frederickson oh don't worry we'll dump them somewhere and then they just left and to this day nobody knows where those where those bodies ended up they had a sick bonfire oh afterwards. Uh, it was just dope. <laughs> so yeah, don't don't go to the Philippines in the seventies. Um, so back to the production. Uh, 
Marlon Brando, huge movie star, arrives on set. However, he was not in the condition that Coppola wanted for the character or had planned for. Uh, Marlon Brando was wildly overweight at the time and probably weighed about 300 pounds. Um, And Coppola had originally envisioned uh, the character he was playing, Colonel Kurtz, as a lean, hungry warrior, um, but it seems Brando took the hungry idea a bit too far. Um, so not to mention, you know, it's not exactly the shape that you envision when you think of a rogue green beret in the jungles of Vietnam. To be a 300-pound man who, uh... Yeah, especially because many people were starving. Yeah. It's it's rough. It's rough. And worse, Brando had done literally no preparation for his character. He hadn't learned any of his lines, he just showed up. And, uh, so Coppola had to start him off from scratch... So, a production of 900 cast and crew was shut down for a whole week while Coppola literally just sat there and read Brando's lines. Oh my um, God. So, he would actually know what to say. So, then, um, after a few days of that, Brando just busts out of his trailer, shaved off all his hair, and said he wanted to improvise and just let the camera catch what it catch. Um, so any I, other, wait, why why was he just hairless now? He just shaved his head, his eyebrows, not his eyebrows. Well, his now head. I'm just, disappointed. Just what, his hair. What do you do in an apocalypse? You immediately shave your hair. I guess. Everyone I mean, Dan Vito taught us that uh, disease is held in the hair. Exactly. Um, and he also made it a requirement that while he was being shot, he would have to wear black and be shot in shadow because he was self conscious about the weight, and it made him look thinner. Um, so... I'm just doing a quick search on my phone, and yes, every picture I've found, he is in black and in shadows. Yes. So this is true. Yes. Throughout the entire movie, if you look up any scene with him, he's in black and he's in shadow. Um, so, now let's get to actor Dennis Hopper, who plays a crazed photojournalist in the film. Uh, Brando hated this guy, um, because he was a wild, drunk, uh, did a bunch of drugs, party animal kind of guy. And um, the two butted heads so badly that when their characters are shot together on film, uh, Brando and Hopper aren't together. Um, They had to shoot the scenes where they're together completely separately because they hated each other so much. Um, And at one point, Hopper was in uh, a bad way and doing terribly. So Coppola approached him and asked uh, what he could do to help his performance. Um, So Hopper is quoted as saying about an ounce of cocaine. Um, So for the rest of the production, he was being supplied drugs from the production team. He was being given cocaine for his performance. It is the Philippines in 1970. It is. However, uh, his performance was uh, hailed as fantastic, but apparently he was literally just acting the same, like exactly the same on and off screen. He was that crazy in real life too. but, you know, apparently everybody was kind of chill with him, uh, which was weird, except for Brando. Um, and also, there were a few people that complained he was taking his method acting a bit far because he was refusing to shower, too. Um, so apparently he smelled really, really badly, which seems to be a common theme with the dead bodies, uh, trash room, and now a man that won't shower. Um, not to mention, you're in the Philippines, uh, in the jungle, so it's really sweaty. So this entire production just reeked. Yeah. Um, so things continued. Um, 
but problems just kept coming. Uh, Martin Sheen ended up having a heart attack on set, um, and Coppola had an epileptic seizure because he was afraid that he had caused Martin Sheen's heart attack. Oh my god. Um, which was not fantastic. And, um, oh, pause for ad break. Is there a reason you have an extended family of just antelope all over your uh, living room? I've been wondering why there's just been nine antelope heads looking at us this whole time. Yeah, it's really unsettling. They are my hung prize. Does that one have human eyes in it? Um, I've, I've been known to dabble in hunting the most dangerous prey. No, I'm saying the antelope has, like, its eyeballs are now human. Oh, that, you replace that's, the antelope's No, eyes. that's Gustavo in the walls. Ah. One that's the rare, time one, rush. One of the yeah, rare, yeah. one of the rare ones. All right, continue yes. the story. So, continuing from the, from the story. Coppola has his seizure um, because he's afraid that he caused Martin Sheen's heart attack. Um, so, and all of these problems are really starting to build on Coppola's mind um, to the point where he suffered a nervous breakdown and on three separate occasions declared that he was going to commit suicide um, because he thought the movie would ruin his career, life, and uh, just cause him financial ruin. Um, So, after all these years making the movie, Apocalypse Now opens on August 15th, 1979, and is to this day regarded as a cinematic masterpiece. carried by fantastic performances. Most notably is Marlon Brando's portrayal of Colonel Kurtz, um, which many uh, say is one of Brando's greatest performances of all time. Um, The movie was nominated for eight Oscars, including Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Screenplay, um, and won two of those eight for Best Cinematography and Best Sound. Um, And it wasn't just a critical hit, but also a financial hit, making almost triple its budget for a total worldwide gross of $91 million. There you go, Coppola. Things are turning around. In today's currency, that equals roughly $318 million, probably a little bit more, too. Um, so, this whole movie is either a testament to Coppola's skill or luck, um, just because of the sheer just just the sheer amount of craziness that was set up against him um and it was actually such an interesting story that if you want to know more or look more in depth into this um george hickenlooper made a documentary called um hearts of darkness that is entirely about the production of apocalypse now and um, goes a bit more in-depth and has interviews with many of these people that are brought up in these stories. Um, So yeah, that is the story uh, behind Apocalypse Now and how absolutely manically insane it was. That just sounds he, like a yeah. yeah. Does he get the grave robbers? Uh, does he get an interview with the grave robber? <laughs> I, I don't think so because he went to a Filipino prison. Yeah, probably <laughs> That's going to be real hard Just to like get him. pops into the prison, full camera crew. It's like, so I heard you rob some graves. So, so what did you guys think was the craziest thing that happened? Oh. Probably corpse room was pretty bad. Corpse, corpse room, room. Yeah. Corpse room. Trash room. Yeah. Yeah. There was the typhoon, yeah, all that stuff. I, it's just more. I, I guess if you make people feel like animals and put them in a put them in a war zone, they actually 
feel like you're in a war zone. Yeah, yeah. it, it so, was rough. Everybody it, says that they felt like they were at war on that set. At least they had the coke fueled parties to take their mind off things. That's true. Yeah, I, I like think those right helped her hurt more. I, I, I think that was kind of neutral. Actually, on that, um, uh, Hopper, the guy that was doing the cocaine, um, on the day of the like premiere, when like all, all the actors and the director come out for the premiere of the movie, um, I think it actually was George Hickenlooper that went to go find him and found him in nothing but a cowboy hat and cowboy boots in his hotel room, <laughs> coked out of his mind. Oh my god! Um, and he was like, "Come on, man, we got to go to the premiere." <laughs> was he just by himself? He was by himself, <laughs> naked, in cowboy, cowboy boots and, and a cowboy hat. hat. Out of okay, that is the most ridiculous thing <laughs> yeah. in the story, I think. <laughs> so yes, that is, that's the story of Apocalypse Now. Damn. It truly was an apocalypse at that very moment. Yeah. Wow. Indeed. Indeed. Imagine and, being like um, fresh out of film school. You know, you're like an intern, intern. and this is what you go to. <laughs> that would be rough. Shipped off to the Philippines, <laughs> gotta deal with. You've gotta buy bodies for your first time. <laughs> like, hey man. Just out of college, where do I get some bodies? So yeah, um, what a quest! What a quest indeed. Um, yeah, well, I guess we'll just give a, a big thanks to everyone listening while coming into the living room and that hearing a such a wonderful story. Wonderful story, Dom. Thank I really you. don't Thank know you. why. Okay, living room. Room. Why does the living room have just no ceiling though? I don't. I don't get that part. The, the ceil- it's, No, it's, it's I painted the night sky on top. Oh, of it. Well, that is really realistic. Oh my, I can see like. Like airplanes going around. I, I did, it, I are you a wizard? Did. Yes. Holy God. I just didn't pay for it first. Yeah. It's just wallpaper. I, I, stapl- I staple a tarp above it <laughs> most nights. And we, we know Tim's just always had a problem with his eyes. It's fine. He can't see. Um, guys, <laughs> guys, I can't. Guys. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, thanks again for listening. And um, we will be back soon with a new story in a new living room. Thank you. Goodbye, faithful fans. And goodbye. (laughs) Bye, guys.